The last class of my old professor's life took place once a week in his house by a window in the study where he could watch a small hibiscus plant shed its pink leaves. The class met on Tuesdays. It began after breakfast. The subject was the meaning of life. It was taught from experience. No books were required, yet many topics were covered, including love, work, community, family, aging, forgiveness, and finally, death. The last lecture was brief, only a few words. A funeral was held in lieu of graduation. The last class of my old professor's life had only one student. I was the student. The fact is, there is no foundation, no secure ground upon which people to stand now if it isn't in the family. Nobody, not much in the society or in the workplace or in the culture is going to hold, is going to support you. And if you don't have that support and love and caring and concern in the family, I don't think you have very much. That was the voice of my old professor, Maury Schwartz. I'm Mitch Album, and you're listening to Tuesday People, the podcast, which was inspired by my visits with my old professor. The lessons continue to resonate. Uh, Lisa Goitz is with us, as always, our producer extraordinaire. Hi, Lisa. Oh, extraordinaire. Hello, Mitch. Yeah. Happy Tuesday. Throwing a little French in there. i make it better. <laughs> uh, and we're, we're really enjoying doing this podcast. It's in its uh, embryonic stage, but the responses from people around the, around the world have been fantastic. And I know Tuesdays with Maury has been embraced by many people in many countries at many different stages of life. I know it's homework for a lot of kids in, in the country and, and other countries. And I'm so proud that my old professor continues to get to teach. Uh, we have, in the past few weeks, kind of focused on some of the aphorisms that he put together in his dying days where he was able to sort of see life very clearly once he knew he was going to die. Those contain things like everybody knows they're going to die, but nobody believes it. We've talked about that. Death ends a life, but not a relationship. That's something that we've not only talked about in the past, but is going to permeate many of our future conversations here as well. Dying is only one thing to be sad about. Living unhappily is another. Ooh, that Ooh, one really, that's a deep that one. one cut me to the core when I went the first day. He said that to me the first day I went to go visit him. Uh, age is not a competition. Our, our previous podcast had been about uh, the envy of youth. And you heard the cut that I just played at the start of this podcast about family. And it's apropos because Today's topic is going to be a, a very hot-button topic that has been for decades, and that is whether or not to have children in life. This was something that Maury and I spent a lot of time talking about, and I think from the perspective of a man who was looking at his own mortality and really knew that his days were numbered, and so he was looking back on his life to evaluate the decision to have children was really, I think, a precious viewpoint for those of us who are thinking, should I start a family? Should I just continue my work or be free? There always seems to be this contrast between one or the other, you know, my freedom, freedom of movement, freedom of career, freedom of relationships versus being tied down, right, Lisa? Tied tied down mm -hmm. by children. That's what we always, I'm reminded of like those cartoons where they, the little people run around and tie down a big cartoon character with, right, the with big string, <laughs> you know, tied down by our children, tied down. 
let me play you Maury's response when I asked him point blank about what do you say to people when they ask you, should I have children or not? Because remember, Maury, although he aged, the people who were coming to him were always students or graduate mm-hmm. students. So there was an endless string of 20-year-olds, you know, kind of coming through his life and posing questions. And this is what he told me. An easy question, really. Whenever people have asked me about having children, I don't say that I have them, I don't have them, I say. There's no other experience that can substitute for it. And if you want the experience of having complete responsibility for another human being for a period of time and to know how to love and bond with another in that deep way, that's the way you do it. You can't have it any other way. If you do it with a peer, it isn't the same thing. If you do it with an infant, it is something that's so inexplicable in ways that there's no way of substituting for it. So I would not want to have missed that experience, even though you pay a painful price at the end. But it's worth it. The painful price that you pay at the end, of course, is that you have Mm -hmm. to say goodbye to your children. As he said, it's well worth it. When he said that to me, I can't tell you how ignorant I guess I was at that age versus how well I understand what he means now, having gone through a lot of experiences since then with children. When he says there is no other experience like it, he is so dead on right. And that's the thing that I think sometimes young people, when they're trying to make a decision, should I have kids, shouldn't I have kids, they are only considering it within the construct of what they already know in their life. So they're kind of weighing it out as like, well, when I moved to New York, it didn't work out and I wasn't that happy and that's why I moved back to Seattle and I don't know if I want to make a decision like that. Well, but it's not moving to New York. Or when I took that job in the accounting firm, I felt tied down and, and, you know, I'm so glad that I quit that. Now I'm a freelance artist. But it's not a job in an accounting firm. There is no experience that you can parallel to it. There is no way to prejudge it, Lisa, until you have gone through it. And that is the great paradox of having children, that like marriage and a few other things in life, You either got to jump that broom or not, but you can't experience it from afar. You can't watch other people and say, well, therefore, I know I don't want it. You can't watch other people raise their kids and say, I don't want that, because it is totally different when it's your own children. And you can't have a puppy and say, well, you know, I love my dog. And so because as lovely as that is, it's totally different. And. I am speaking now as a man who has gone through a lot. I was not that smart when I was visiting Maury, and I didn't quite understand what he was talking about. When he said there's no other experience like it, I was kind of like, yeah, must be no other experience like it, because I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, because you were in your 30s, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yes, still you're in your 30s. thinking and I was, about it. Yeah. Right. And I was wondering that because I thought when I listened to Maury's quote just now, I thought, wow, I wish I would have heard him say that when I was about 28. Hmm. because maybe then it would have struck something in my brain and then I would have been insistent on having children because I don't have children and it is a big regret for me. 
But then when you say what you're saying, I think, well, it didn't resonate with you then how it resonates with you now. So maybe it wouldn't have gotten through anyway. Might not have because you were judging your life through the eyes of a 28-year-old. I was judging my life through the eyes of a 37-year-old. We were listening to somebody who was 78. Right. And both of which, 27, 38, whatever, you think you still have unlimited time. That's right. And for a male, you have a little, you have way more time than a woman does, you know, and our time is like, done, Yeah, can't do it anymore. So I wish I would have seen that clock. (laughs) I just wasn't paying attention. Well, one of the things that you understand as you get older, and one of the reasons that perhaps, Lisa, you're feeling the way that you're feeling now about, boy, I wish I had had kids at your age now, is what Maury related to me about the feeling that you are going to go on. You know, when he was Mm. looking at his, looking at his mortality, he realized the immortality that children offer you. First of all, I think I conveyed to them certain ethical values that they're carrying out. I'd like to see those values live on through them and through their kids. Secondly, uh, the children are a form of immortality, if you like. Because that's how you continue physically. Does that matter to you now more than it did yeah, 10 years ago? I think so. Yeah. He admitted, as he was sort of looking at his mortality and coming to an end, the fact that there was someone in the world who would remember him, who would carry on. There's a famous poem that I'm going to probably botch, but it was about, it was about a man walking through a graveyard and hearing the voices of the souls that were underneath the ground, and they were lamenting not dying for the first time. They were lamenting dying the second death, and the second death was being forgotten. This is something that I think as we get older, if we don't have children, we start to think, well, all our friends, yeah, but our friends are going to die at the same time as us. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, there is that part of you that says, well, if I had children and grandchildren and they would talk about me while I was gone, they'd show my pictures after I was gone. They'd say that was Grandpa Mitch, you know, Grandma Lisa. And and, and, and there's a sort of comfort to, to at least a lot of people about continuing on in the universe, which may be, I don't know, it may just be our sort of defense against death, or it may be something really important and legitimate. Well, it is true. And you think, though, how many generations then do people remember you? That's one thing, you know, I mean. Yeah, it's not more than three. Not more than three. And you name your great-grandparent. That's that's the great test. Can you name your great-grandparent? Exactly. Exactly. But for me, what I I heard when I was listening to Maury say that as well was biologically, if you, you know, I'm just thinking about biological children, a piece of you will always be with them. And when I wrote my memoir about my mom dying— So many people wrote, you know, about their personal stories. And I always tell them, as long as you are alive, your piece of your mom is in you. Her cells are there. Her, you can look in your face. You can see her eyes. You can see parts of you. Physiologically and emotionally. Yeah. Like that, that, that person's always alive. And I, I think, oh my gosh, I'll never have that. Nobody will ever be a part of me. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very, it's hard. It's very hard. It is. And, you know, I appreciate your being, you know, straightforward about that. And people who are listening to us who are going through that and maybe their childhood rearing years are gone or, you know, or guys have just sort of decided, uh, you know, I don't we're not it's not going to happen for us. But I have to say that, you know, life is funny. 
because I was in the same situation. And, uh, you know, just before uh, I turned 50 or right around there, I ended up going down to Haiti after an earthquake, a terrible earthquake, and getting involved with an orphanage and getting involved with kids. And now I operate that orphanage and I have 52 children for whom I am responsible, 52 I know all of their <laughs> stories and, and their habits and their, you know, peccadillos and all the rest of it. I know how they're doing in school. I, I know everything about them. And, and one day they will all go to college. I have two, the two oldest ones are already here in college in America. And all of them will one day go to college if I have anything to do with it and get educated and then, and then go back to Haiti and help make their country a better place. And I'm there every month and I'm in their lives totally. And and I imagine, and I, you know, in one particular case, our little girl Chica, which I wrote my new book, Finding Chica, and that's what it's about. It's about one particular child who came into our lives and was so special, and we took care of her for two years while she was battling a, a brain tumor, and she really effectively became our daughter, uh, and we were able to have moments like this with her. We're playing, there it is, where is the water? Where is the Where is water? the bottle of water? There it is. Right. Where is the book of Pokemon? Where is the... There was it. There what? There it is. There it is. Where <laughs> is the crayon? There it is. There what? There is she is. No, there she, what? She is. No, there it is. There is is. No, there it... There it... Is. Is. Yes. Of course, English was her third language, uh -huh. so you got to give her a break. Geez, at that young of an age, right? Yeah. Three languages. Yeah. And she was she five. She's adorable. Yeah. And, uh, oh. you know, the whole book, Finding Chica, is about the journey of becoming a family in our late 50s. And having moments like that, which you don't aspire to a moment like that when you don't have children. You don't say, I want to be playing on the ground with a child who's guessing words, whatever. You don't even think about it. But once you go through it, it becomes immeasurably important to you and mm -hmm. it becomes precious to you and it becomes something that you want to hang on to forever. And as Maury said, there's no way of substituting for that. There's no way of knowing how important that's going to be. There's a famous quote which is misattributed to C.S. Lewis, the wonderful Christian writer, who certainly said amazing things in the course of his life, but he actually didn't say this. Uh, a guy named Dr. John Trainer said it, but he often is the one of you. In fact, you can buy like little posters and stuff that have his name on it, but he didn't actually say this. But Oh, that's pretty But funny. it's a great quote. <laughs> Children are not a distraction from more important work. They are the most important work. Children are not mm -hmm. a distraction from more important work. They are the most important work. Think about that. Mm -hmm. And that perspective, that is what changes when I think you have kids and go in full bore on them. Now, interestingly, you and I were looking at a, an article that came out in uh, the Atlantic number a couple of years ago, I think it is already. But it was very interesting how people decide whether or not to have children. And it goes through a lot of cases about people who do or don't want to have children. And it cites a particular uh, woman who went to the Internet to kind of uh, bounce this idea around about should I have kids or shouldn't I have kids. And she came across a post that was called The Ghost Ship That Didn't Carry Us. The Ghost Ship That Didn't Carry Us. 
And there was a letter from a 41-year-old man who was on the fence about kids and wrote things like quiet, free time, spontaneous travel, pockets of non-obligation. I really value them. And the author of this column wrote that every person has sort of two lives, the life they live and the life that they don't live because of the life that they lived. And that is the ghost ship that Mm -hmm. the author referred to. So if you don't have kids, the ghost ship that sails across the sea from your life is the ship of you with your children. If you do have kids, the ghost ship that sails across the sea is your life free of the burden of children. And how you decide which ship you're going to sail on was kind of the point of the piece. And I find that really interesting because I don't know that I agree with that. I think that when people look at having children as a sacrifice of something else, they're already looking at it from the wrong perspective. Mm. I get it. Because for decades, I did the same thing. It's the reason that I, I didn't have kids younger. And by the time we got married, uh, I probably delayed marriage for the same reason. And by the time we got married, it, it, we had a tiny little window, with which it probably physiologically could have happened, and it didn't. And then we ended up not having kids. But it was always because of, I don't want this instead of this. I don't know, Lisa, if that was your experience as well. Well, yeah, you know, it, was, it wasn't my experience, but it was my husband's experience. Mm. He's a musician. He travels a lot, tours. His excuse was always, well, I don't think it's right to bring children in the world when I'm gone all the time. Mm-hmm. And then I would say, but all of your friends have children and they're in the same boat as you are. Mm. No pun intended with the ghost ship. Yeah, right. But, <laughs> a lot um, of boats here. Uh, yeah, a lot of boats going on on this river. But he, you know, he that was always his thing. But now I think when he sees his friends' children who are now, I mean, we've known them since they were babies. They're now 25 years old. We see them on this end of it. Now he's regretting that decision. And mm. so in my case, it was more his decision that he didn't want to have children. And I sort of went along with it and tried to make excuses on my end saying, well, you know, maybe he's right. Maybe it would be hard. How would I work? Yeah. Uh, you know, I had all these doubts and questions, but gosh darn it, I, 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 it, it will be on my deathbed. It will be the number one, no questions asked thing that I regret more than anything. Mm. Speak cry. I get Well, sad. I don't want you to cry during this podcast here. I do. Uh, I know, but, but I get really touched. It touches me a lot. But we're having a discussion and many people who are listening to us, of course, have children and know the incredible joys of having children, but also the heartache. There is a great mm-hmm. deal of heartache. You know, in my particular case, we were able to have a beautiful child as our daughter for two years and now she's gone. Because she died when she was seven. And it's an indescribable heartache. Uh, There there was no, has been no, and I doubt ever will be, a a heartbreak like the day that our little girl died. None. And I think every parent would say that, too. Every parent who's ever lost a child, it's got to be the deepest cut. Right. So you say to yourself, well, would I have been a happier person if I hadn't ever gone down this rabbit hole and had that heartache? And... Believe me, there were moments when I would say to myself, you know, in the, in the agony of her death, I would say, you know, look up at the heavens and say, God, just take this pain away from me. Take this pain away from me. 
And, and if someone had said, well, we'll take the pain away from you, but we're going to take the memory away from you too, then I don't know that I would have done it because I don't want to give up a memory like this when I took Chica on a sled hill for the first, when she saw snow for the first time in her life because she's from Haiti and she was up here and it snowed and we took her outside and put her on a sled. What we're going to do... You're going to sled down the hill. And it's going to be your first sled ride? Yeah. By yourself? Ooh. Are you scared? Yeah. But you're going to do it, aren't you? Yeah. Because you're brave, right? Yeah. Okay. Woody! Woody! You did it! You did it! How was that? Did you like it? Can I do it again? <laughs> yeah, of course you do. <laughs> you knew that was coming. Uh, now, oh if I gosh. had to, if I had to lose that, uh, I couldn't. I couldn't lose it. I couldn't give it up. And so you live with the pain, and you live with the heartache that comes every time you hear that a sound like that or a video like that or whatever. And and and, and yet you don't want to trade it. And I think when people are trying to make their mind up. By saying, well, what will I sacrifice, my ghost ship? Or whatever. You can't, just as you can't sail on that ghost ship and be on your ship at the same time, you can't evaluate what life would be like on that ghost ship and live the life that you're living at that same time. Most parents, once they have kids and the decision has sort of been taken away from them, they stop thinking about it. Now, I'm sure there are some out there who have children and then spend their whole lives thinking, oh, if only I didn't have children. But I think that that's a remarkably small percentage. I think people just, once children are in their lives, they, they can't imagine the world without it. And they just kind of deal with it then, however it comes. And in that, in that uh, Atlantic article, they, they, they quoted a lot of people who said, you know, once you have kids, a lot of things that used to bother you just don't, you know, crumbs on the bed and, and, and right. uh, you know, f fingerprints Dog on the wall. Hair. Dog hair. You know, <laughs> stuff like that. I mean, it's just, uh, you just sort of roll with it, but you wouldn't have rolled with it before. Why? Because you change. And this is, this is at the heart of the question of having children. And I think this was what Maury, when Maury said, there's no experience like having children, this is at the heart of it. What people who don't have children yet think is that they're just going to bring children into their world. And how is it therefore going to affect their job that they're already used to, their vacation schedule that they're already used to, their travel that they're already used to? And what they're missing is that when that child comes into your life, you are changed. Not it change. Not your circumstance change. You are changed. You mm -hmm. are changed by the child. So your view of that travel changes. Your view of that work changes. Your view of where you sit in the world changes or what you would do for another person changes. And that's what we don't often get. We, before we make a decision about children, we just see it's like one plus one. And so mm -hmm. now there's going to be two. But that's not really it. You become one and, one and a half. And the child becomes one and a half. The child is to itself and also to you. So there's really three, you know, and then mm -hmm. there's your partner and that's five or six or and it becomes <laughs> exponential. So the numbers change, the equation changes and you change. So when you're trying to evaluate being on that ghost ship, you can't because you're projecting yourself as you are onto that ghost ship. And yourself with a child is not the same as yourself without a child.
And that's the part that I had to learn. And I'm, I'm thinking everyone who's listening to us learned too about having children, that it changes you in a way that you might not even recognize yourself after that. Then to think about, oh, well, versus my old self, it's a moot point. Old self is gone. New world begins. Here is Maury on, again, how uh, children live on. What I think all of us like, because we have at least little egos, is to think that we're going to live on in some form. Mm -hmm. So if you have the spiritual form, we live on as a consciousness or a soul, that's great. But you don't know that, and I don't know that. Mm -hmm. But I do know that I have children who will then presumably have their own kids, and they'll know about their grandfather and stuff. And I do believe that statement I think I quoted to you, that death ends a life but not a relationship, that you continue the relationship in some way, and that that will happen. Now that's in the, in the normal flow of life. That's the way it works, and that's the way it should work. You leave the world you leave your children behind, you leave your grandchildren behind, and they remember you, and they pass you on to their children, and so on. And um, you are remembered, at least for several generations. Your influence is remembered really more for, and, you know, I know you spoke, Lisa, about like, well, but you don't remember your great-grandparents' name, and that may be true, but your great-grandchildren will be affected by you. You will have raised their grandmother, who will have mm -hmm. raised their mother, who will then influence them, and all the teachings right. and things like that. All so you do, even if they don't remember your name, your influence. Yeah. In my particular case, it went backwards, and this is when I never understood before when people would tear up and say, "You should never have to bury a child. The worst thing is that you bury a child." And I understand it now because it is the reverse of what Maury just said. Death ends a life but not a relationship, but you want that to be true for your child. You don't want it to be mm -hmm. true for you vis-a-vis -vis your child. And yet it still is. Chica lives on in my mind and lives on in my heart and lives on in my memory, even though I keep asking myself, what am I doing here? And she's not. You know, how could she be gone at age seven and I'm still here beyond 60? You know, it doesn't make sense. Why didn't she get to graduate high school? And why didn't she get to go to college? And why didn't she get to get married? Why didn't she get the joy of having a child in her house and have her first home and, and, and travel and all that? Why, why is none of that ever going to be available to her? That's heartbreaking to me. And yet, Maury's still right when he says death ends a life but not a relationship those conversations that we had play on in my head, and I can cry at them, and I can laugh at them, uh, and I frequently do end up laughing at them. Like when I remember her trying to tell me that I had to sing supercalifragilisticexpialidocious for her. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Then what? Sing that one. You sing it. How's it go? <laughs> You did watch me puppins before? <laughs> Are you crazy? I saw it, but I forgot. You're just gonna watch it again. 
No problem. <laughs> no problem. No problem. <laughs> that uh, was the Haiti coming out in her right there. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't lose any of that. I wouldn't trade any of that. But that's what you have to hold on to, you know. In normal circumstances, it goes the other way around. But in either case, I think to return to sort of where we began, when you look at life as Maury was in your older days or sicker days or dying days, and in Maury's case, it was all three. He was 78. You are going to come to feel that having children was an experience, if you had that, that you would never miss. And Maury said that to me. I just, I would never have missed that. And now that I've had it, no matter what it is, and even though there's a painful end to it, because you have to depart, you have to say goodbye, I would never have missed that experience. And it is not to say to anyone listening that it is right to have children or wrong to have children, or you have to have children to have a complete life. It's not my place, I don't think, to say that to anyone. But I can reiterate that there is no other experience like it. And trying to project, trying to do your ghost chip, trying to figure out, you know, how much, how many vacations you won't be able to take. The ones that always bother me is like, well, I love being able to just go to Paris when I want to go. Or, you know, there are so many circumstances in life that could change your ability to just go to Paris. You could suffer a right. debilitating disease. You could run out of money. You could, you could, uh, you know, uh, there could be an airstrike and you wouldn't be able to go anymore. I mean, there's a lot of reasons you might not be able to go to Paris. To not have children to avoid being able to go, not being able to go to Paris doesn't seem to be on the same plane. Right. And it's the same difference. It's like, well, I have four dogs and I know we're talking about dogs aren't the same right. as children, but I can't go anywhere. Like right. trying to get somebody to watch four dogs for you is virtually impossible. And um, Well, there so, you go. Oh, so there's so, another reason. There's another way you could tie yourself down. Yeah. But, I mean, there's and by the way, it's and for most people who are always like, but it, I can't travel. Those people, most people don't travel that much anyway. Yeah, like yeah. life holds you down. It's not and, just and if you it's do not children. And if you do. There's no reason you can't take your children with you. You know, that, exactly. that, notion, that notion is crazy, too. I've seen people have just picked up and, and moved with, with three kids and moved to a foreign country and just decided to live there for a year. And they homeschooled mm-hmm. their kids. And they, you just experience it as a family, which is different. You experience life as a family. But to think that you cannot experience life anymore because your children are going to hold you back, that's wrong. That's wrong. I... I my these last 10 years with all these kids in my life have been the most enriching and the places that we have gone and so maybe they were different so maybe you end up going to a disneyland or an amusement park or camping or the beach whereas before you might have gone to the italian riviera or something like that experience is experience you're never going to go everywhere in the world anyhow right you're not going to hit every single spot on the map but if you get to go as a family you're experiencing something that you can't experience otherwise And the memories that you make as a family, you won't experience otherwise. And when those children grow and share those memories with you and with their children, you'll never experience that otherwise. And to wrap it up, when, because we are talking a podcast that was inspired by a man who was on his deathbed saying what was important, I'll go back to what we played at the very, very beginning of this podcast, because who was he able to count on to take care of him? Who was he able to count on to be there at three o'clock in the morning 
when he was unable to breathe and needed somebody to pound on his back and pull the phlegm out of his throat? Who was he able to count on when there was a rush to the emergency room and had to go to the doctor? Who was he able to count on to express his fears and, and his deepest thoughts? It wasn't the guy who he shared an office with, you know, who he saw every day or the, or the uh, celebrity friend that he saw once in a blue moon, as Maury said. The fact is, there is no foundation, no secure ground upon which people to stand now if it isn't in the family. Nobody, not much in the society or in the workplace or in the culture is going to hold is going to support you. And if you don't have that support and love and caring and concern in the family, I don't think you have very much. And that support and love and concern will come from your children as well as your other members of your family, spouses and brothers and sisters. And it's all you can say is there's nothing else like it. Nothing else like it. So we'll leave you with that and maybe a little bit of Chica uh, since we're heading into the holiday season, doing a holiday song, which she basically usually used to correct me every time we sang any kind of song. She either put her hand over my mouth and tell me to be quiet because it was a solo act, <laughs> or she would correct me if I got act. if I got the ro- the words wrong. And so uh, let me uh, head out with this particular thing. And all this is in Finding Chica, the new book that I put out if people want to see more about it but uh, here was here was a holiday song from the back of the car he knows when you've been bad so be good oh you better watch out you better not cry you better watch out you better watch out see you better not cry you see you better not pout you better I'm telling you about better not cry, why Santa Claus is coming to town. Bum bum ba dum bum. He is making a list. He's taking it away. There is no end to that song. It just goes on forever. <laughs> Uh, uh, this has been the uh, Tuesday People podcast. We will be back next Tuesday with another element of life to consider, seen through the eyes of a very wise professor and shared with all of you uh, wherever you're listening around the world. We've so enjoyed talking to you this Tuesday. Lisa, some details? We continue the conversation after every episode on our Facebook group, which is Tuesday People on Facebook. It's a private group. Join our group. We have all kinds of conversations going, and uh, it's, a, it's turning into a pretty groovy place. Until we see you next Tuesday, uh, on behalf of Lisa Goich, this is uh, Mitch Album saying see you next week. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday People.